Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. We thank you, Lord, uh, just the joy of the Lord is our strength. We thank you that there's joy in us, joy in the house here, Lord, uh, just joy everywhere. We thank you for your kingdom, Lord. We thank you for uh, helping us uh, get open up the word and uh, making it alive to us, Father God. And uh, just that the word goes deep, Lord, and truth sets everyone free, Lord, because people that are set free are more fruitful in your kingdom. So we thank you, Father, for freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this series we got, uh, we have two weeks that we've done already. So, uh, so here's a little sketch. Uh, last week it was wonderful with my wife. This, uh, the first week was the waiting father. Then last week was the tell of two brothers. Everything we do, you can go to our website, and uh, with it, you you just uh, go to that week. Uh, you hit a little button in the notes drop down, and then you just hit play, and you can actually follow along and look at the notes. That's a way to get it, you know, you just get a better understanding sometimes and you go back over it again. So today we're going to do the robe of righteousness. Next week is the ring of authority. Week five, the shoes of freedom. And then week, week six, uh, the feast of feasts. Okay, so just a little review if you weren't here. Week one, here's a review, just uh, in a nutshell kind of review. Luke 15 and verse 20, uh, we looked at that. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. So this is uh, about what we call the prodigal son, but we saw when we started this two weeks ago, uh, it starts off and says there was a man. It doesn't say there was a son. And so what we were saying is the Western world, they made it into the prodigal son, which there is a story there, but really when Jesus told it, it was about the father. It says there was a man, and that man had two sons. Uh, So what we looked at, this totally went against all culture of that day when an older man who it was actually uh, very rude to run but this older man ran to his son and he was filled with love and compassion he ran to his son he embraced him and he kissed him very against the culture of that day so here's what we said about that two weeks ago that uh, Jesus was establishing heaven's culture over all other cultures Jesus uh, was establishing Christian culture over synagogue culture Jesus was establishing uh, Christian culture over nation culture New Testament culture over Old Testament culture, grace culture over law culture, and God's forgiveness culture over man's unforgiveness culture. And there really is, uh, in the world, an unforgiveness culture. And it's, it's kind of like that thing where you kick me and I'll kick you. You know, you say something bad about me, I'll say something bad about you. And it's, it's that kind of thing. And, uh, and so Jesus came and he was, uh, in a sense, showing that the kingdom culture trumps all other cultures. And then week two, last week, Luke 15 and verse 21, that scripture tells us, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called a son. So in a nutshell, it was so much last week, and you can re-listen to it, but basically that was about the difference between biblical repentance and worldly grief. They're different. And worldly grief destroys us whereas biblical repentance works good things in us. Uh, And that's just in a nutshell. You can go back and listen to that if you would like more understanding along uh, any of those lines, okay? Today, we're going to look at these scriptures and and move on. 
Okay, so Luke 15 and verse 13, is, we'll start there. And that tells us a few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the paws he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So that's uh, describing something. The first thing we want to look at, then, is the son's wrongdoing. The son's wrongdoing. And basically, concerning his wrongdoing, he committed the most insulting thing a son could do by asking his, for his inheritance. He left his father. That was insulting. And then he went out and he wasted everything he had on prostitutes and wild living. So even if you can imagine yourself where you, when you're growing up, when we were growing up, we, I was raised in a denominational church, and then with every church, you know, some of them have stronger, they pound things into you. So it was pounded into me, you know, that these certain things, you never do these things, and, uh, and they're sin. And, and so imagine, you know, getting into a place where the worst, the thing that you heard your whole life, don't ever do that. It's the worst thing you could do. This guy had that happen. It, it, he did the worst thing that he could ever do uh, that he heard about his whole life. That is where he's at. And that's what he did, okay? So here's uh, how that... And, you know, when you follow your flesh, your flesh always will take you to places, you know, the Bible does say sin is pleasurable for a season. And so sometimes when people follow their flesh, it says it can be pleasurable for a season. The, the prodigal followed after his flesh, his pride, whatever you want to, whatever happened to him, he had a little season of pleasure. But it's only a season of pleasure because when you follow your flesh, you end up going places that you shouldn't be. And he ends up, you know, in the end, he ends up, look at, here's where he ends up. If we look at that, out of money, starving, living amongst the pigs, which very also crude and insulting back in that day to do that. He ate what the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. And so you understand when we talk about God's goodness and his love and how he's so forgiving, we're not uh, denying or saying that, you know, that uh, you can just go out and live any way you want because when you follow your flesh, you end up in those kind of places. Okay, but what, what was really wonderful last week, the difference between biblical repentance and worldly grief or when you get into a grieving self-pity thing, it can destroy you. But when you understand what biblical repentance is, it will work something good in you and it returns you back to the Father. And there's a, a restoration thing. So you, you do understand that, that, uh, that grace and righteousness, it's not like, it's not taught and preached to say, okay, well, God's overlooking it. No, the prodigal had to come to himself and his flesh took him there. He came to himself and then he made a change in his heart. He made an adjustment and it brought him back to the Father. Does that make sense? Okay. So these things that we see there, most of them are natural discomforts. And uh, so while he was in all of this natural discomfort, something was working on the inside that we said biblical repentance. He's, something's working. He came to himself and he realized his actions were wrong. So look at uh, Luke 15 and verse 19. 
It says, I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he comes back with no earthly possessions. Uh, Everything is lost. He comes back broken. Uh, He did not believe he was worthy. That's the condition he was. He did not even deserve to be called a son. Uh, And he was willing to accept punishment and just be a servant. That's how he came back. But the thing is, he had a true uh, repentant heart. And so when he comes back that way, uh, and this is what we want to talk about then today, and that's the robe of righteousness. Okay, so we'll pick up today and get into this. Luke 15 and verse 22. It says, But his father said to the servant, his servants, or the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. So what we're looking at, first of all, notice it says the finest robe and put it on him. So the the robe here uh, in this parable, it represents an awareness of right standing. And why am I saying an awareness of right standing instead of it is? And I'll I'll tell you why it's an awareness. Because if you're a born-again Christian and you go away from the Father's house, you will continue to be the father's son or daughter. You do not lose your right standing. But when you go out in the world and follow your flesh and rub shoulders with the world and live like the world lives, what will happen is you will lose your awareness of your right standing. Okay, And you will think wrongly about yourself and it will bring you down to a low place. And we can almost say that the way that he lived and the way that he probably thought about his thinking and his living took him to where the pigs were. You know, he just, he just forgot who he was, okay? And that's where he ended up. But just to make sure we're clear about it, uh, he's not, he didn't lose his righteousness and he wasn't getting it back again. He lost his awareness of righteousness, Okay, and that's what that robe represents. All right, so here's what we want to look at, just four things about this. Here's the first thing about this robe. Uh, The first thing is it erases all guilt and condemnation, this awareness of righteousness. When you have an awareness of right standing with God, it will erase guilt and condemnation. Now, if I could say this even one more time, like this guy, the son, he came to himself and he said, I don't want to stay with the pigs and I, I want to go back to the Father. So, you know, so this whole thing about going uh, back to the Father, it's like your heart is wanting to go back. And, and because of that, he goes back. And when the Father sees him, the way that the Father uh, went to him and what the Father did was amazing. So think about this. He comes back and he's working with pigs. His clothes were probably not in very good condition. Uh, He probably had pig manure possibly on his clothes, just thinking how smelly he was. And, And his father sees him and his father runs to him, which was very against the culture, as we said. But then his father, it says that his father fell on his son and kissed his neck. You understand what God is saying there, that when somebody goes off and their flesh leads them into a place where they're like mucking around with pigs 
and they're in a filthy state, we can't imagine that kind of love. But the Father actually kisses him while he's stinky. He's filthy. Now, there's a little side journey here. It's not in my notes, but you know, it's hard to get anybody saved if you can't love them. And people that really fall deeply into sin, uh, it's real hard to get them to... We have no influence with them if we can't love them the way they are. And the father ran to his son and kissed him while he stunk and he was filthy. And so, uh, you know, that, that adjustment that we make where we love people the way they are. And see, that, I love the story that I heard a long time ago about this couple that got married. You've heard me tell this before, but it's worth telling more than one time. A couple got married, and in the first couple months of their marriage, uh, it was more traditional where the lady stayed at home and she didn't work you know, anybody remember those days? <laughs> but, but anyway, so it, it's probably an older story, but she's staying at home, and she's not uh, working a job, and she's being a housewife, but her husband, he, he's telling her all the time, I love you, I love you. And so he comes home, and the house is all in order, and, and the food is on the table. But then you know how sometimes the guys are after you're married for so long, you know, it's like, well, you should know I love you. I married you, kind of, you know, that kind of thinking. So there was no longer any more I love you, you know. And so the house wasn't as clean as it was, and the food wasn't on the table as on time like it used to be. And the husband said, well, you know, what's wrong? You know, uh, you, you're different. You know, you're kind of laying on the couch, and you're not doing what... And she goes, well, when we, the, the, when we first got married, you were telling me every day that you love me. And when you kept telling me that you love me, your love empowered me, and it made me want to clean the house. And it made me want to cook the food and put it on the table. But I haven't heard that. And, and, uh, and uh, you, know, you know, you got it. <laughs> It's kind of like that way with God. It, the love of God will cause us to turn back to God. God so loved the world while they were yet sinners, though he died for the world when they were still sinners. It's the love of God that causes us to repent and come back to him. And so you think about that kind of a love. So the father kissed him while he was filthy, and then the father covered him while he was in dirty clothes. He put a robe over his muck and his dirt, okay? So just a few thoughts about that is the kiss, you could say the kiss symbolizes, which was against culture, uh, to kiss what his son did, it would have been very unusual and maybe never happened where when a son left, took his inheritance and did what he did, that an older man would run at him and then he would actually kiss him. Very against the culture there. But the kiss, uh, back in that day, uh, there was uh, what they said, if somebody had a dispute and they were at it in a business, like a business dispute, once they resolved their dispute, they would seal it with a kiss. And the kiss would mean that we're done now, we're no longer in dispute, we worked it all out. There's nothing be uh, between us. So when the father ran and kissed him, you could say the kiss was symbolic of forgiveness. Okay? And then, when the father put the robe on him, the robe was symbolic of continual right standing. In other words, uh, 
you might think you're unworthy to be called my son, but you never stop being my son, and I'm putting this robe on you, and it's symbolic that you are still my son. It is a symbol of continual right standing. And that's what, that's what you uh, can see there. Okay, so here's a, a scripture that goes along with this. In Isaiah 43 and verse 25, it says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake, and I will never think of them again. See, that's heaven's culture. It's heaven's culture. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's understandable, uh, like in certain situations, uh, that sometimes because of people's behavior, uh, that it's hard to trust them because of some things. But forgiveness is different than learning how to trust somebody again and so really all we're told to do is forgive and that's the culture of heaven so even when somebody wrongs us uh, notice how forgiveness means you don't remember you forget it that's what forgiveness is I'm gonna blot them out and I'm not gonna think about them again that's forgiveness now sometimes there's trust issues that need to be rebuilt but we can at least all do that part that's the way God does it with us, and that's the way we can also do it with each other, okay? So that's the first thing we see about this awareness of righteousness. When you are reminded about your right standing, it will erase the guilt and condemnation. The Father saying, I love you, you're still my son. The second thing we see about this awareness of right standing is it is immediate and freely given so this robe of righteousness is immediately and freely given look at Luke 15 22 it says but his father said to the servants quick bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him so what you see there is that the father doesn't let the son grovel in the past he doesn't let the son go into all this detail you know about all this stuff that he did wrong he doesn't let him go back there the son gets some things out and the father just almost I, I don't know if he interrupted him but it almost seems like he interrupts him and he doesn't let him go on any longer you know I, I would say that probably if you you know this is not a thus saith the Lord but if you want to know what the Lord's saying right now the Lord would be saying stop talking about your past stop going into detail and stop going over all the details of the bad things that happened in your past drop it drop it okay uh, and uh, so looking at this uh, this came in like meditating on this this came into my spirit about this that prolonged days of self-pity guilt and condemnation are over that's the way it should be the prolonged days of self-pity guilt condemnation the father didn't let it go on it's like psst stop kiss robe stop so here's <laughs> let's start a new kiss robe stop <laughs> let's be the kiss robe stop church no okay so Galatians 4 6 we need to rebrand no all right Galatians 4 6 it says and because you are sons God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And then verse 7, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. 
And if a son, then an heir of God through Jesus Christ. So what are we talking about? We're talking about how immediately and freely that he was kissed and that robe was put on him. And if you notice there uh, in Galatians, we're sons of God, and it says you're no longer a servant but a son. And so when somebody does go away from the Father and their flesh gets them into the situation that we see there, they are still a son. They probably forget sometimes they're a son, and they probably forget who they are, and they forget what they have, and they forget what they can do when they're in Christ. But nonetheless, as far as God, the way he sees it, you're still a son. But you'll probably go into servant and slave thinking while you're in that place. That's what happens a lot of times. People go into that while, they, while they're went in, you know, with the pigs there. Okay, We don't have to stay there. Okay, so the third thing we see about this awareness of righteousness is this. It was placed on the Son by servants. Okay, and that's in Luke chapter 15 and verse 22. It says, but his father said to the servants, notice how that's his, so like if you don't read things closely, I always thought, well, the father put the robe on, but actually his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. His father told the servants to go get the robe and put it on him. So we could even say that that is symbolic. Uh, when the servants went and did that, they did the work just like Jesus, the Father God, sent him, and Jesus did the work so we could be saved and we could have righteousness. We could say that's symbolic of that. Jesus doing the work, and so because of his work, we're in him, and he's in us. It's wonderful. So Romans 4 and verse number 6, it says, David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Isn't that wonderful? The, right, the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. You, you, you know, the son came back and he said, I'm not worthy to be called the son and just make me like one of your servants. And the father didn't allow that to happen. And, and so you're, you're seeing... It, it, I love that scripture. It says, joy unspeakable and full of glory. The reason Christianity is so wonderful, it's like joy unspeakable because God did something that has never been done before and never will be done again. Every other religion in the world is based on a system of works. And it's everybody doing, trying to do things to please God and to get salvation and Thank God for Christianity that Jesus came and did all the work. And all we have to do is by grace through faith accept what he did. It's his work and not our work. The son came back thinking, I'll just make me a servant. He probably thought, if I start back off there, maybe I can get back to where I can be a son. And, and it's like, no, uh, you're, you're still my son. Here's, here's a robe. It's awareness of right standing. I and putting it on you because you are still my son and you're right with me and I'm right with you. That's what the Father was saying there. And so like Romans 4, 7, it says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. What joy. I mean, hey, you know, if you want, just 
put a little smile on your face there. Let me see some smiles. What joy. I mean, God did something that was never done before and never will be done again. Uh, what joy it is. Being forgiven and having sins put out of sight. And then verse 8, it says, Yet what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. If you're with us today and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, we had somebody in the first service accept Jesus as Lord. And uh, if you're with us today and you haven't done that, here's what happens when you do that. And we're going to give you an opportunity, if you're with us, to accept Jesus as your Lord. But that says that what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. When we accept Jesus Christ as Lord, it's an amazing thing. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. All of the sin that you ever committed and even what you're going to commit is cleared. The Lord has cleared it. It's, it's, an, it's an unreal amazing thing. Thank, thank you, Lord God. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Wonderful. Okay. So here's the last thing, the fourth thing that we, and there's other things, but we had to cut it off somewhere about this robe, this awareness of righteousness, and it also identified the Son. This robe, it identified the Son. Look at Luke chapter 15 and verse 24. It says, For this Son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. This is the Father talking. So do you see how... The Father is not ashamed of His Son. The Father is not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of me. The Father is not ashamed of us. If Jesus is your Lord, if He's our Lord, we know that He's not ashamed of us. This Son did terrible things and He comes back and the Father said, for this Son of mine, He never lost that. Then He said He was dead and so he's acknowledging the fact that he went away from the father's house. The father did not overlook or ignore the fact that the son went away and living and following the flesh took him to the wrong place. The father recognized that, but he said he was dead and now he has returned to life. He's come back home. He's still my son. He was lost and now he's found. He's identifying that robe that he put on its awareness of right standing the father saying first of all I'm not ashamed to call you my son and I'm putting this robe on you so first of all you will know that I see you as my son but secondly everyone else knows that I'm not ashamed of you and everyone else knows you're my son and that's what he's saying there and that's the same thing he would say even right now no, you know, if you're born again, God is not ashamed to have you as a son or daughter. And you know what? We all should know, too, that when I look at you and you look at me and we all look at each other, God is not ashamed of any one of us, but he identifies all of us as his children. And that's empowering. That's empowering. Okay, so this son, he, he returns and he's, ex he's exposed, he's shamed, he's defeated. Everyone knows about it, you know. He, he sinned and he knew he sinned and all that. And in that culture, he should have been punished. And he lost consciousness and an awareness of what he was. Uh, and here's the thing. In that condition and in that state, he couldn't act like a son. Because you will act like you think you are. 
now I could explain, as Christians, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. As, we, as Christians, as we sang today, we are seated in heavenly places. We are that. But when you get to a place like he was, he could not act like who he was because he lost awareness of who he was. So when the father put that robe on him, the father was, first of all, it was reminding him, you're still my son. And so this robe, this robe qualifies you, authorizes you to walk around and act like my son. So somebody once said, you know, for Christians, uh, when you fall, you need to learn how to get back up again. And this is like instruction on how to get back up again. You know, somebody goes away, falls. How do, what the Lord is saying is like, when you fall, you're still my child. And what I want you to do is I want you to have a biblical repentance, not grief and pity, but a biblical repentance where you come back to me. And I'm telling you, as soon as you come back toward me, I'm coming at you with a run and a kiss and a robe. And I want you to think like who you are consistently. And, uh, and not only that, if, if you want change, all of us, including myself, if we want change, if we want change that's permanent and lasting, it's better to consistently remind ourselves of who we are instead of who we are not. In other words, like this is even good for parenting, like for parenting, you know, we're with parenting and, and my father did this, you know. My, my, uh, my mother was born in Italy, and she came to, went to the States when she was 10 years old. My father's parents, they were born in Italy, but he was born in the States. But he grew up speaking uh, a crude dialect, southern dialect of the Italian language. And my, fa- my mother also was from 50 kilometers where he was, so she spoke a crude dialect of the Italian language, what they would make fun of today. And my family's from the south, and there's a north-south thing in Italy, so the southerners are considered the hillbilly farmers without education, and the northerners, they feel like they're the big CEOs, you know, manufacturing, and those, and that, so that thing's going on in Italy. So my family, uh, they, were the hill, they were the hillbilly farmers, you know, and, uh, and so my parents, they speak this crude uh, Italian. So when I was growing up, my father told me in two different languages in mother how bad I was. So, you know, he would do, you know, porco diavolo. That means a devilish pig. So I was called a devilish pig consistently, and brutto viacu, that means an ugly, well, I forgot what viacu means. Anyway, an ugly something. Brutto means ugly. But he did it in two different languages, and he's always saying, you know, what you are not and what you're doing wrong. And you know, the most amazing thing is I got saved and became a Christian and the love of God came on the inside of me and then I started to hear who I was. And it's long, you know, I I even went out one time. uh, My parents didn't let me go out to parties because they didn't trust me. They thought I'd go nuts. So, So after a football game, I was the drummer in the marching band and after a football game one weekend, I called my mother from the party, because I, I couldn't ask because she wouldn't let me go. I called her from, I said, hey, Ma, I'm at a party. I'll be home later. And, and she started to say, you brat. And but, well, she said, I hung up on her. I paid for that. But, and I could see why she couldn't trust me, because somebody had to carry me to a car, 
and put me in a car and they dumped me off on the driveway in front of our house and I had vomit and all this green ugly vomit on me from I got so drunk that I just threw up all over the place they told me I was pretty big back then I tore that I tore a house apart too before I, they took me out of there and, and dumped me on the driveway that's why they wouldn't let me go out <laughs> but but they always they told me all the time how bad I was and when I finally broke out I really was bad <laughs> and it's even a thing you keep telling somebody who they aren't and what they're doing wrong and it's almost like they'll keep doing wrong and doing more wrong and being worse but you start telling somebody hey you're the righteousness of God in Christ you're seated in heavenly places you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you you you're sanctified Jesus was made your sanctification that means you're Jesus made you holy he sanctified you he and Jesus empowers you to live holy and you start saying those kind of things and saying that and that's what pulls people out of gutters and that's what causes people to act like who they really are so when the father put the robe on the son he was saying you're still my son and you can act like my son because I'm putting my uh, approval on you and I am authorizing you to walk around my property and around my house and around my farm with this coat on because you're my son and that's what God is saying to all of us that we cannot lose the sonship and, and all we have to do is have the awareness of righteousness so when you come back home, you know immediately if you ever walk away, if anyone walks away, when you come back home, you know immediately that you have righteousness awareness. So look at this scripture. I like this, and we'll close here. It says, um, it says, Awake to righteousness and do not sin. And so the sequence is awake to be aware of who you are and then sequentially the next thing is and do not sin when you try to stop sinning and you don't know who you are it's a difficult thing that they tried to do that in the old testament and it didn't work but in our covenant what empowers us is an awareness of who we are and when we learn who we are i like the other scripture it says sin will not have dominion over you for you are not under the law but you are under grace grace and righteousness is an empowering revelation and an empowering uh, substance that empowers us to live differently. Praise God. God is good. So just concluding today, uh, the son never ceased from being a son. His wrong living, though, caused him to lose his awareness that he was a son. Okay, And so that applies to us as Christians that we can't lose our right standing. We're still sons and daughters, but when we have a, a lifestyle that takes us away from the Father's house, we can lose our awareness of right standing. And so this story that we looked at today, basically what it illustrates is that whoever returns home to the Father with a repentant heart, uh, you can expect total acceptance from God. Love, compassion, and acceptance when you return home you can expect that. You can expect God to kiss you when you come back home and put that and remind you that you're the son and that right standing awareness. Praise God. Father, thank you so much for everyone that's here today, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for uh, the Christians. But Father, I want to pray right now for those that would be here that don't, 
maybe they don't know you, Lord. They came to this building today, and they're in here, but they don't know Jesus as Savior. And Lord, I thank you that in your word you said that there's only one way to get to heaven. There's only one way for salvation. And you said that way is your son, Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So Father, I pray for anyone in this room that would hear this, uh, that you make it clear to them that good works, doing good things and good deeds for people does not get you into heaven. Father, that you make it clear and people would understand, Lord, that it isn't church membership, it isn't growing up as a Christian or having church membership that gets people saved, gets them to heaven, Lord. But if you would just make it clear to everyone, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, where you really make it clear that it is Jesus Christ who died and shed his blood and became sin that made the way for us to get saved. And salvation is a result of man confessing Jesus is Lord and believing you raised him from the dead according to what you told us, Lord. Thank you for making that clear today for everyone. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.